This is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And welcome to this week on Sci-Fi Talk, where I recap the episodes that have been streaming recently. We start off with Michelle C. Smith. She is a stunt performer, and she caught the eye of Daisy Ridley doing some incredible work with a lightsaber. Here's a part of our conversation. Had a moment where somebody put a sword in my hand one day and I was like, oh, I can do this. Okay, let's go. And then that was 14 years ago and wow. I'm still going somehow. Good for you. You know, I would say having that circus background is incredibly beneficial to doing mm-hmm. the, the depth of work that you do. Yes. You know, I, I it, it's kind of backwards because I get the question a lot of like what's the scariest stunt you've ever did but I've never been more scared than when I was performing circus and I was doing silk sacks so the the fabric that hangs from the ceiling and you climb up and you wrap yourself around that whole practice of doing silks and aerials scared me more than pretty much anything I've ever done in stunts like there's been moments where I've been a little bit with stunts, but but circus really prepared me for being playful in performance, being able to just like think on the fly and and be able, because I was performing so much with circus. We did a lot of corporate circus shows. That's how you really make money in circus, unless you're Cirque du Soleil. Um, so I was performing all the time and sometimes things just go wrong. And like, how do you adapt on the fly? And, and being really playful and trying new things that I hadn't grown up doing because I was a competitive baton twirler and dancer growing up. But circus, everything was new and I was doing it at a professional level. And so I learned this, this really deep level of trust within my physical skills and my body. And, and it was all about trying new things and trying things that scared me. And that directly led into what stunt work is, is like a lot of times when you show up, you, you, things are changing on the fly. They want to change a direction and, and all these things change. And so you have to be able to adapt. And you also have to be able to work through the fear and the anxiety and the adrenaline process that comes up in your body. And, and because I had done circuits for so long and I had that sense of like, oh, I'm good under pressure, actually. Uh, it really helped me build the confidence to be a, a proficient stunt performer. And so I don't know what I would have been as a stunt performer if I hadn't done circus before that, but I'm really, really grateful that circus found me first and yeah. then I could move in into the stunt side. One of the reasons I, I you know, I heard about you was this whole thing with lightsabers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. is that uh, and it, it, is that true that you got Daisy Ridley's attention on that? I did. Yeah, I did a video for May 4th. I think it was my 2019 May 4th video uh, that went viral for whatever reason. Uh, I can never predict videos that are going to go viral. Which Who knows? If, if we could bottle that, we'd all be rich. I've tried. And then when I think that I figured it out, it doesn't work. Doesn't <laughs> so I'm work. Like, oh, I no, know. it's this, this, and this. And then I do that, and it goes nowhere. Um, yeah, it, it was sort of an unexpected thing. And it really surprised me and was like a really nice confirmation that whatever I'm doing is I'm on the right path. Oh, and yes. I, I was on set, I was working on another show, I think I was working on The Magicians, and I was on set, my agent called, and they're like, hey, uh, Daisy Ridley, or her team at this magazine, it was for Wired, wants permission to uh, 
watch one of your videos and do a reaction to it because they needed my permission as the owner of the content nice. to, to post it. But they had actually already filmed it and and I saw what they had filmed and then I all I had to say was approved. And so I think that if I would have said no, they just would have cut it. But I was yeah. just like, why would I say no? Like, please watch it. <laughs> yeah. so, but it was a really magical moment because they put up and it's like that it had like my name highlighted and she's like michelle c smith but above michelle c smith was michelle pfeiffer and then catwoman and michelle pfeiffer catwoman was like my oh. childhood superhero oh, i had this poster on oh. my wall yeah like she did some, there were some like, great stunts in that movie oh my god i just wanted to be her i just thought she was so cool there's more of this week on sci-fi talk so stay tuned Trek Tuesday featured Star Trek Strange New Worlds doctor and nurse. Trek Tuesday today has Jess Bush, who is Nurse Christine Chapel, and Babs' oldest son, Mokin, who is Dr. Minbenga. Recently, they talked to us in a roundtable setting on what they admired about the actors who originated the roles that they are playing now and what they can bring to them. The main thing that I, that I took from uh, Majel's character and also from Majel herself, I think, is that she is like, she's pretty badass. Like the way that she got her, like, got her way into Star Trek and what she wanted for Nurse Chapel, um, which, you know, probably wasn't fully satisfied. Um, I, I like that essence. And I think that I've brought that into the character. I also think that, that her, like her Nurse Chapel was like really dry and funny and. Um, and I would like to see that more explored in season two as well. Booker Bradshaw was a serious man. Uh, at least he looked like a serious man. And, uh, you know, I wish he had done more episodes of Star Trek, but he, of course, went on to actually be a pretty successful television writer, you know? So it was, um, there was a lot going on there, you know? I'm entrusted with his character and I'm just flying into it, embracing it and doing it in service of the past and in, you know, in service of the future. On representation in Star Trek in line with Pride Month. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am so delighted that there is more representation for all expressions of, of, of sexuality and gender in Star Trek. That's really exciting to me and I'm really proud to, to be a part of that representation. I would like to see it explored more for Chapel and for anyone else who's on the show. I just think that that is something that I think the fandom really appreciates. And it's also a direct reflection of of society right now, like that the increased visibility and the increased acceptance of, of queer folk um, is something that's very, it's being celebrated a lot right now and also threatened a lot right now. There's a lot of violence towards people who are queer. And so I think Star Trek has a certain power that they could use to fight that. Um, and I'll be really, I would be really, um, I really urge them to do that with the writing. I think it's, I think it's a, an opportunity for them to really step up and, and um, stand behind our queer fans. What was the moment you realized, hey, I'm on Star Trek? when I got the job, you know, I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm on Star Trek, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's, it's a joy. 
and it is something it is something it's like you you work and you you know go out there and push you know try to get work and whatnot and when you land on a show you know in a piece that's got such a massive massive history and legacy you know uh some actors will never do this you know so it's it's a beautiful privilege um to have the actors talk about getting physical especially season two just to be clear intellect plus physicality <laughs> just to be clear yes yes <laughs> right yes. <laughs> and uh yeah no it's 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 exciting it's exciting it's lovely it's you know it's dynamic uh and it's interesting you know and it's um kicking ass but there is more under it than just kicking ass you know it's protecting um those around him you know uh it's protecting his you know his uh shipmates you know and uh yeah so it's it's really fun it's really fun i love it you know i can do it all day wonderful part of the work that we got to experience like right from the first episode uh for season two it was brilliant we had a great time sci-fi talk returns in a moment they comment on Mbenga and Chapel's relationship. I think there's a lot of respect there, you know. I don't think uh, Mbenga is a guy that's, or rather, Dr. Mbenga is not a man that's enamored with titles. Uh, I don't know if you got the joke there. I said Dr. Mbenga. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, no. But I think there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of respect um, and there's trust. And when you trust people, you just appreciate whatever they're bringing to the table, uh, whether they are, you know, beginner or advanced or junior or whatnot. You you listen uh, because you know they've got something to give. Also, so I think that relationship is is very much layered with that. Prehistoric Planet's visual effects supervisor Elliot Newman told me about the special effects of this amazing series. Yeah, I, I joined uh, the the project. Um, I think it was at the tail end of 2019. Um, at that point, a lot of the stories were already pretty much hashed out in terms of um, there were there were animatic storyboards written. There was a script, um, and they were already into the sort of first phases of the previous process, which is um, it's kind of like a storyboard but in 3D and mm -hmm. sort of drop code. So. I was kind of involved at that point and then, you know, in, in that early phase, that's when you start building the characters and the various dinosaurs and animals that we had to build and portray. So that was kind of the early phases of the project was was fleshing out the previs and, and the build side of it. Talk about what it's like to you. Plus, there are also people going out shooting the background plates, too, for, for the amazing environments. And they're ironically, they're actually real environments here on Earth, which is really cool. How, do, how does that marriage work between the uh, the CGI and the uh, and the actual environments? Well, the previs is kind of the starting point. You know, you have you have a, a you know the storyboards give you a sort of rough idea. The previs gives you a slightly better rough idea, um, but that kind of really informs um, the story that you're that you're trying to go for. So it kind of gave us the grounding then to say. Okay, we we know the the type of locate. You know, it's a snowy environment or it's a, a desert scene. So we kind of knew roughly locations that we needed to go, 
Um, and the previews also just kind of gave us an idea of camera. You know, they kind of gave us an idea of, is this a wide shot? Is this a close up? Um, you know, is it seven minutes? Is it five minutes long? You know, how, how long is this sequence? So it kind of really helped us really plan. You know, the visual effects process is quite, it's quite methodical, it's quite procedural in nature. Um, it's very technical, so it's, it's very different to going to a location and, and shooting documentary of, of animals that exist. You know, that's that's a lot more, you kind of turn up and you, you, you shoot what you're seeing and what's happening, whereas this is a more prescribed process. And that's kind of why the previous was important because it, it kind of facilitated that planning aspect. Um, and so, you know, when we were on location, it was about yeah, photographing effectively empty scenes, you know, and saying, okay, well, this is a, this one's a 50 millimeter, the camera's moving to left, from left to right. This is the sort of rough pacing or rough speed of this dinosaur. We had cardboard cutouts that helped us as well to get the scale. So we had like, if it was a T-Rex, it would just be a head, <laughs> you know, and then we'd have, um, we'd have poles and then sort of, we'd use drone cameras as well for eyeline. And that, that was kind of the approach. And then, the, the animation process was just sort of a, you know, a continuation of the previous. So we we move into those sort of more finalized dinosaur assets at that point. Once we've got the, the, the plates shot, the photography's in the house, kind of know roughly what the camera's doing, you know, what the environment looks like. We LiDAR scan the environment as well. <clears throat> so that gives us like a 3D environment to work from. And then the animators really get into the secondary animation phase, which is, you know, detailed animation study and for that they would look at you know all sorts of reference material of modern day animals that we can say are sort of similar somewhat um obviously that is also quite scarce if you're dealing with a you know 20 ton sauropod but um you know it was it was a an exploration really from animation from day one and and you know working very closely with darren nace the paleontologist the chief scientist on the show <clears throat> and and also the kind of the background of the, of all the consultants that just kind of guided us really because it was it was really just about us saying okay we, we can animate anything but there's a way to animate a particular sauropod based on you know the the what they understand scientifically about how they move you know the skeletal uh uh structures you know there's there's footprint records that tell us they had this type of gate you know so it was all it was all about sort of getting the right scientific guidance and our you know our mpc artistry was just you know applying that to that knowledge really and saying okay we're gonna <clears throat> bring these things back to life but in a way that's as realistic as possible and that was the same with the photography it's the photography needs to feel like it was something happening that we were just filming yeah you know, we literally you know the idea was we had a time machine and we went back and we filmed them and that's the experience you want people to feel like you're literally watching something that very much could have happened and the science is there and and uh Obviously, working with with the Natural History Unit, the BBC, Mike Gunton, and bring us that documentary flavour as well in terms of the blue chip documentary. Sort of how you, how would you film this? How would you approach it? How close would you get? Would you be on a long lens? Would you be on a wide lens? You know, it's, it was a you know it was a great collaboration. You know, visual effects, natural history, paleontology, and the science. It was it was a special special collaboration. There's more of this week on Sci-Fi Talk, so please stay with me. My latest Arrowverse episode is on Supergirl Season 3. Let's begin first with Melissa Benoist, who plays Supergirl and Cara Danvers oh so well. 
Season three, when we start at least, she's really throwing herself into Supergirl. Obviously the end of season two kind of shook things up for Kara and she's dealing with a lot of uh, darker feelings than we're used to seeing her deal with. I think she's got a lot of grief for losing Monel. Uh, so Supergirl is kind of her main priority and Catco is sort of up in the air. Like For the first time I think she's questioning Kara Danvers in her life as opposed to Supergirl. She talks about the relationship between Kara and Lena Luthor. That's I think one of the most important relationships in the show. Um, it's two strong females. They see, they, they can relate to each other really well in terms of family, in terms of what they've been through, and Lena is overcoming a lot of her family history. Uh, it's, time will tell, I think, how, where that goes, and it's obviously a really precarious balance because a Super and a Luther don't typically like each other. <laughs> uh, but I, I believe Lex and Superman were very close friends before things kind of went south. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see if that happens with Lena. If Lena ever found out that Kara was Supergirl, I think it would be a problem. What about possible changes to the costume? And, and someone mentioned wearing a, a, like a unitard, like a full suit, pants. I, I am so comfortable in that suit and it's so is ingrained in who she is to me and I feel like so much of her identity as Supergirl relies on that suit. I don't want to change it. it. You know what? It's perfect to me as is. <laughs> Here she talks about working with Allura, played by Laura Benatti. Well, I've, I've worked with her once uh, so far, and it, it wasn't, I mean, it was very similar to the way we've seen Allura as of now um, on the show, but it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different. This season, she's got a lot more to do. Besides Supergirl, which other female superhero appeals to you? I mean, I love Wonder Woman, like I think all of us at this table can say uh, Gal Gadot is amazing, Linda Carter is amazing, she's amazing in the comics. Um, I don't know who else. Black Widow is pretty cool and I, I was always a, good, a big fan of Scarlet Witch. Supergirl certainly has some issues to deal with this season. As, as this, in a more subtle way this season, she is much more matter-of-fact and she's kind of grappling with her identity this whole year is about, from what I've seen of season three and what I've heard, it's about identity and knowing who you are and is she, she wants to decide is she a human or an alien and uh, she's much more business-like as super, super girl. Not evil, but more adult. Um, I want to explore as all the depths of Kara Zor-El as I can, um, because I want to show the complexities of, as much as I can in her wearing the cape of being a woman and what it takes to balance everything, what it, what it feels like to lose someone. And, you know, there's so many complexities to explore. So every, any facet of her I can, it's a joy. You can subscribe to my podcast at Apple Podcast. Additionally, I have a premium podcast that I'm looking for beta testers. Just DM me at Sci-Fi Talk, and I'll send you a free link that you can test out the service with no obligation. Thank you so much for listening. This is Tony Tolado.